bit more chilled. Anyone feel like whistling? <laughs> Some things in life are bad, they can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. If you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble, This all helps things turn out for the Welcome to episode 8 of It's Not About the Gear, recorded on the 27th of November 2016. It's been an eventful year, but I'm not going to talk about politics at all on this because it's just too depressing. Anyway, the intro track may have cheered you up a bit. It's the classic bit of Python that I've sung loads of times down the pub, and that recording was done at our recent open mic session, and it went down quite well. I got some help on the whistling because I always seem to lose my whistle by the end of the night, and our friend Alan on the drums there. And I'll have another track for you later. I haven't had any contributions of people wanting me to play their tracks. This is an opportunity to get them out there. I know I don't have a lot of listeners, but it's send them in and I'll play them. Well, quite happy to do that. So apart from the open mics, not a lot going on for me musically. I went to a gig by a band called Machine Shed at the pub, the other week, unfortunately, very small audience. It's uh, always disappointing when the band is barely outnumbered by the audience, but the real pros and they put on a, a good show when they play classic rock stuff and some blues. And uh, 
really good at it. It's, uh, one of the guys has got some lovely old guitars. Uh, I think it's a Gibson 345 he's got from the 60s. And uh, Les Paul Jr. also from the 60s. And a Gibson amp from the same period. So he's got the, the whole set going on there and does a great job with those. The other guy uses Telecasters if you're interested. And I'm speaking to you through my new recording rig, which I'm trying out. I've previously been using my Zoom H4 directly, using the mics on that. But I've I've had a, a condenser mic. It's a MXL 990. And I haven't been using that because I haven't been using my uh, M-Audio interface that's got the preamps on it. But uh, I recently got hold of a little Behringer mixer. It's actually a friend of ours runs a charity shop. And she gave us a whole load of stuff to test. It was mostly computer games, and consoles and stuff. But amongst it was this mixer. It's only, well, technically a five channel. But uh, two of those are stereo. So there's a single mic preamp. I could do something with maybe with two. But uh, this is doing for now. So I'll make them more an offer for that. And... Uh, Maybe the audio quality will be a bit, a bit better. Just having to watch the levels on this. I might have, maybe I should be using a compressor. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the other main topic, I, well, first topic I wanted to talk about this time is influences. I mean, we've all got them. Must be a reason why you picked up a guitar or whatever your instrument is in the first place. And I was trying to think back. I started guitar when I was about 10 years old I asked my parents for one and the thing is I wasn't really into music at the time I mean I it was music was around I, we listened to the radio but uh, I wasn't buying music at the time and I just decided I wanted a guitar and I played around with the tuner day book which had you know, sort of generic songs like uh, I don't know can't even remember what they were anyway a few years later I was started listening to stuff like Eric Clapton and Cream stuff and the Blues Breakers era, and Led Zeppelin. So Clapton and Page, I have to say, were probably two people that really wanted me, made me want to play electric guitar. And uh, I probably mentioned I got my first electric when I was at university, which I don't have that guitar anymore. It was a Vantage, I think, a sort of Strat copy. Looked a bit different because it was all in black with some red highlights. And it was all right. And I had... The crappiest little practice amp that didn't make much of a good sound, but it got me playing. And over the years, I've listened to lots of people, but uh, I mean, I've done lots of lessons that uh, say this is how such and such plays, but I've not been a great one for going for a particular thing. I mean, I've stuck with the wanting to play the Jimmy Page stuff, but I don't know, maybe I just can't do that stuff, and whatever I play ends up coming out as me. And more recently, I've been more influenced by songwriters. Um, ones I like are Mark Everett, who's the guy behind Eels. There's a guy called Jonathan Coulton, who writes mostly comedy songs and thoughtful things. So check him out online, I and mean, he's got loads of stuff out there. And somebody else who influenced me is a guy called P.T. Hilton, who, if you've been in the Six String Bliss community, you'll know full well who he is. He was one of the hosts of that podcast all the way through. And I think he writes great songs. He's, he's had a band a while back that did songs about superheroes. 
but he's done lots of other songs for the various Six String Bliss albums that we did and his style of songwriting and performance has been an influence on me. I mean, I picked up things like double-tracking voco- vocals rather, from him and I I just like what he does. And then there's been other people, that some of the guys down the pub, not many of those are actually writing songs, but uh, their sort of playing styles and singing styles rubs off on me. And it's only in the last year or so that I've actually started writing my own songs. And uh, you heard one of those last time, my Ikea song, which seems to be my most popular one. People seem to enjoy that, but I've been leaning towards more comedy stuff. I like making people laugh, and uh, the words, those sort of words come easy to me. I'm I'm not a love songwriter, I don't think. I even wrote a song about that. But uh, I'm currently working on a Christmas song, which I'm going to perform at the next open mic, where we're having a bit of a Christmas theme as it's December. So I won't put it on here because I haven't recorded it yet, but I'll uh, probably have it on the next show. I'll try and get that out in December, which would be great. And Christmas is coming up. I don't know. I'm not getting anything, well, not planning to ask for anything particular music related for Christmas. We're not doing big presents for the, the adults. I might treat myself to something, but I don't really need much in the way of gear at the moment. I've got all I want. I'm not really using everything I've got anyway. I've got two electric guitars, a couple of amplifiers, an acoustic, a classical. I haven't got my bass anymore because my daughter's taken it off to university, where she's joining a band, I hope. As she's very musical, so she's also playing violin in the orchestra. And took my ukulele as well, so I need to get another one of those sometime. really need to get an electroacoustic one so I can use it at the open mics. But I haven't got around to that yet. That might be the next thing I buy. I did buy something musical this week. I ordered some sleigh bells to use at the Christmas open mic because you've got to have the jing-jing of sleigh bells when you're doing Christmas songs. And I'm also at that open mic. I've been asked to accompany one of the other guys on a couple of songs. He's asked me to play some sort of lead parts. So I've had to learn a David Bowie solo for Life on Mars, which is a fairly simple one. It's actually two solos, but they're very short. I've more or less got those down, so I'm going to take one of my electrics down. And rather than taking the amp, because I'll be carrying an acoustic guitar, I might just take my Zoom G3X and use the amp emulation on that into the PA system. It's just less to carry. So I've been working on those parts, and I need to learn another song that I'm going to want to play. I want to play an Eels Christmas song. And just haven't had time to learn lots of new songs. I've I've done a couple of others where I've thought that'd be a fun song and I just print off the chords and take them down the pub and play it but I haven't really got those to a proper performance standard yet I might have mentioned I've, I've been trying to actually get songs off by memory so I can, don't need to have a sheet in front of me and I think it makes for a better performance if you do that and you'll have heard on the bright side of life I forgot some of the words and that happens but generally I know these songs and I've got a repertoire of 20 or so songs that I can play at these sessions and they seem to go down well and I'm having fun and I just love hearing the other people and we've got some really talented people and if possible I'll try and get some of them ask some of them if they don't mind me sharing their songs on here because I think you should hear them 
But if you've got, as I say, if you've got any of your own that you want people to hear, contact me. I'm on Steve C S D S T E V C at gmail.com. But you'll also find me on Google Plus. I'm Steve C the same on Twitter, but I don't use that much. I am on Facebook, but that's just for friends, really. I'm on the Steemit site, which I've mentioned. Don't know if I've mentioned. It's a bit like the Sue one I was using before, that it, in that it pays you, but it's a, a different way of doing things. And it's, I've been blogging a lot on there. Some of it about music. I've been posting some of my music, and I actually earn a few dollars on a post for that. I think the previous podcast I put on there made a few dollars on that, so I could call myself a professional podcaster now. I'm not getting rich from it. I don't think many podcasters really make much. Anyway, talked a bit about influences, and our second segment is going to be Alfie again, who's sent me another piece. I asked about advice on compressors last time, and he's sent me a little piece, so I'll play that, and I'll talk about it afterwards. Check it out, guys. It's Alfie here, or a.k.a. Alfalfa Sprout 69 as you may know me on the interwebs. And uh, this is a recording for Steve in regards to compressor pedals that he mentioned on his It's Not About The Gear podcast, episode 7. Steve wanted to know, what do you even use a compressor pedal for and why would you need one? Well, let's talk about your guitar signal to begin with. Uh, what a compressor does, it uh, actually limits the dynamic range of your playing. And you're probably thinking to yourself, why would I even want that? I like to play with a lot of dynamics. I like to hit the strings softly and get a cleaner tone. And then I like to dig into the strings and let it push the front end of my amplifier a little bit more so it's just on the verge of breakup or on the verge of getting that overdriven sound. And that's a really, really cool technique. And it really helps you feel what you're playing and develops you into a really, really good guitar player. So why would I want an effect that limits that? Well... What a compressor does is just that. It does clamp down on the sound. You might hear people often refer to the terms as clamp. It's going to clamp your signal. Or it's going to squash your signal. Uh, or you might hear them say the squishiness of a compressor. And that is what it does. So what it's doing is it's taking the really, really soft notes and it's bringing up the levels. So for example, if you like to pick lightly to get a clean tone, and sometimes um, when you pick some notes, they just don't ring out as loud as some others. What the compressor do is those little those notes are a bit low it'll bring those up in volume so that everything sounds a little bit more consistent what it also does is it limits the amount of volume your pickups can put out let's say so if you like to dig in and then you've got a really dynamic guitar or you've got a distortion pedal you like to kick on and it's really loud what the compressor pedal will do is it'll set a limit which you'll often hear some people talk about a similar effect called a limiter. So it won't let the notes go past that volume, set volume. And it will, you could say, clamp it down or squash at that level. So you can hit really hard and everything sounds consistent, sounds smooth and consistent, you could say. And you can have a compressor really narrow the dynamic range. So everything sounds one volume, very, very consistent, very smooth. And it's all it's all in one one sort of range, but most people most guitar players use a compressor um, to make those soft notes consistent and the higher or louder notes consistent, but still give you enough of a dynamic range to play with the dynamics of your playing. So what I mean is, just say for example, yeah, you like to um, play soft to clean up, 
but some of those notes, they just don't ring out as well. Well, the compressor is going to bring those up to a nice even level. But you can set it so that when you hit the strings hard, you're still going to get a boost in volume from your guitar pickups, but it's just going to stop it at a certain level. Now, the reason that I use a compressor is because uh, one of my guitars that I have, um, it's got some pickups on there. They're Kiesel Lithium pickups, they call them, these humbuckers. And the bridge pickup just has these weird spikes, like ice-picky sound to it. So, uh, and some of the frequencies, they, they just jump out and it's, it's too loud compared to everything else if I don't play with a compressor. So I'll add a compressor into my signal chain and that'll bring those, those peaks down to a consistent level and then everything sounds much better um, and more pleasing to the ear. So uh, what I'll do now is I'll give you a quick example. And uh, so this is the guitar just on its own without a compressor, no effects. If you listened closely, you could probably hear that some of the, the notes are really jumping out and they're a bit loud. So here's, a, here's the same riff with a compressor. I'm using the um, Dan Armstrong Orange Squeezer clone, the one control compressor. Hopefully you could hear the difference there that um, just sounded a bit more consistent and more pleasing to the ear. When we're thinking about compression, we have to put ourselves in the shoes of the listener or the audience. Now when you go to a gig, you don't want to struggle to hear very intricate notes and have to really, really pay attention. You might be at a pub or a bar or somewhere with a bit of noise and someone might um, drop a drink and they smash a glass and then you don't get to hear that nice intricate part that the um, performer was trying to display for everybody. But with a compressor, it would make things sound a little bit more even, so then you could hear that part. Um, if you're recording as well, there's, there's nothing worse than recording and you have to really, really listen for some notes you just don't hear because you're not going to get that effect or that, you know, what you're trying to, to say to the listener. So a compressor can even out those notes. And like I was saying, it doesn't have to completely clamp down on the signal and make everything sound consistent but it can also make you sound very dynamic, but also very even. So we're looking at Steve's compressor now. He's got the DoD FX80B, and that is a three knob compressor, so three controls. Compressors can have a lot more controls or a lot less, like the one I've got. The uh, controls on Steve's one, if you're using it, Steve, so you've got your level, which is just your volume, release and compression. So let's talk about compression. That is how much you want this pedal to squish, squash, clamp your signal, how much you want to add to it, or how much consistency you could say in the notes you want to add to your signal. Um, if you turn up all the way, you'll notice you'll get a lot of noise. Compressors will bring out every little bit of noise in your signal, because what it's doing is that when that note is dying off that you've just played, it's trying to bring that level up. So it's going to bring up what they call the noise floor, the hiss, um, any other type of noises that come from your pickups or other effects, 
it's going to bring that up as well. So that's one thing you have to combat. Sometimes it's nice to use a, a, a noise gate with a compressor. So that's what basically the compression knob does. How much do you want it to affect your signal? And then the release. So the release is how long do you want the compression effect to last? The more release you have, the more it will, it's going to release it later on. So you might hit a note. The compressor, as that note dies down, the compressor will start bringing that up. So that's got a consistent level. And then the release, if you have your release up, it will hold it there for a certain amount of time and then the note will start to decay. If you have your release all the way um, to minimum, then it will just bring up those notes from the beginning normally and then let them decay or die off as they normally would. Uh, so that's how Steve's ones work, but you might find other compression pedals where they've got a knob called an attack, which I think is really useful. So maybe you like that peak of when you first hit the note with your pick or your fingers or however you play. You like that, that jump out. Well, you can have the compressor work after that happens by the attack knob. You can judge how long the compressor will, as I said, clamp or squish that signal after you've hit the initial note, which can be really, really useful and helpful. Um, and there, there are many other controls, but uh, hopefully by now that uh, this explanation has cleared up some of the views or confusion with compressor pedals. They can uh, be your best friend if you know how to use them or your worst enemy if you uh, set them really, really wrong. But that's like any effect out there. So uh, thanks again, Steve, for having me on your show and uh, catch you later. So thanks, Alfie, for that. I do really know what a compressor does i've just not had experience of using one and i think it's, it's such a subtle effect that it doesn't change the sound in the way that most effects do it i mean it's just changing how loud and how quiet it gets and i can appreciate that if your playing is maybe too dynamic and you want to even it out then it does that i've heard someone friend say that uh it makes the sound more professional because obviously professionals will be more consistent in their playing and maybe a compressor can make you sound a bit more like them but obviously it comes down to your playing style and because I don't haven't been gigging electrically I haven't had much cause to use a compressor I've got this the Dodd that you mentioned on my board and I shall play around with that some more when I get time but it time has been so short I've hardly played electrically amplified recently but uh, there's a few other compressors I've got actually in my zoom g3x that uh, emulate various types and I could get into those I've, I've also tried some of them when I was playing around with multi-track recording a while back which I haven't done lately I'm, I guess I could even use a compressor on this podcast to even out the levels I notice I've seen the waveform as I'm recording and there are some spikes there where I pronounce my P's or whatever a bit sharply and you get to what they call plosives. It's just some sounds are louder than other but I am using a pop filter on this microphone to try and reduce that a bit. So it's a fairly short show again. I haven't come up with a lot to say in the uh, intervening months and a half or whatever it's been since the last one. But uh, again, I, I welcome contributions and, and suggestions about what I should talk about. If you want to do a short segment or if you want me to talk about something, anything you like. If it's about music, and preferably about guitar, then I'll go for it. And I'll leave you with another piece from the same open mic session, 
which was me doing 10 cc's i'm not in love and uh you'll hear p- part way through the song one of the guys came up to do some backing vocals on that because i can't uh, can't quite emulate the uh the whole choir they had going on the original recording well that was done back in the days of tape so there was lots of pieces of tape cut up and re multi-tracked to create a, a whole sort of choir and using the voices and instruments but i found that arrangement ages ago i was influenced actually by there's a version by the fun loving criminals of that song and they did it more as a swing thing but I, mine didn't come out like that and it's just become another thing in my style uh, that i like to do and goes down well so enjoy that and i hope to talk to you again soon Bye.